Well, welcome everybody to an iOS, OS X, Mac, iPhone, iPad, iPod, i-anything else you like. Christmas bonus extravaganza special celebration thingy. Um, with more, more quality people than you can ever imagine that I'm going to introduce to you this afternoon, this morning, this evening, depending on where you are. But before we do that, we'll introduce John. How are you, John? Hello, Scotty. Hello, world. Hello, esteemed guest on this roundtable. I, I never would have imagined I would be surrounded by such talent. It is. It's 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 amazing to think, isn't it? Well, let's introduce the talent then. Let's uh, let's uh, see who we're going to. Let's start with uh, Mr. Brent Simmons from the Identical Cousins podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm happy to be here. A member of the supergroup for Christmas. This is going to be fun. It is going to be fun. Well, we'll we're hoping oh, it it's will be, be fun. There we are. Yeah. Who else have we got here? We've got Saul Mora from the NS Brief podcast. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Do you want anything us to wait for them to all email you and let you know how it's doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, this should be a, should be a good time. And uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, NS Brief. Go check it out if you haven't already. Oh, there we are. The first pitch of the afternoon. I love it. Okay. <laughs> Got to get things started <laughs> off on the right foot. And uh, also with us, Manton Reese from Core Intuition. Hello, happy to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. It's great to be able to talk to everybody. It's amazing to have you live in my ears, Manton. Well, you know, <laughs> not literally, but there we are. <laughs> it's, uh, and uh, from the brand new and shiny Debug podcast, Mr. Guy English. Hello, happy to be here. So everyone's happy to be here. That's good. Let's see if we can change that before before the end of it. Right, we've um, we've put together a few questions, um, but the chat room, we want you to uh, throw some out there as well. Uh, but we're going to start off with uh, everybody's highlight of 2012. Um, these questions were put together all about 17 seconds ago, so everyone's had a long time to think about them. So who should we? Let's start with Saul. Saul, um, you can kick us off because it was your idea to do this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, put me on the spot. Um, yeah, what's a, what was a good highlight? Um, yeah, well, you know, one of the things that that really was uh, was awesome for developers was uh, was the the improvements to Objective C and uh, you know having those literals in there. Um, you know, taking away all the the craziness that you have to do to make an array and a dictionary. I mean, those are the little things, right? But uh, those those take your code a long way, and and uh, they're very welcome changes. And I'm eager to see what what Apple has. Uh, in store for developers uh, in the in the coming year. What a sensible first answer we had. After <laughs> <laughs> <don't> Brett, <laughs> I, I think my highlights of the past year actually were um, uh, a trio of apps that I really really like a lot. Um, one is Letterpress, the other is Twitterific Five, and the other is uh, the magazine. Uh, all three of those are are. Gorgeous and interesting, and a lot of a lot of fun to use. And um, I admire those developers tremendously. They've done fantastic work. That's cool, and that's very sort of um, supportive of your fellow developer community. Uh, I'm going to totally lose track here of who's answered. I, I somehow I seem to have ended up with the job of remembering who said what, John. Uh, I would have to say the highlight of the year was was seeing Amsterdam reach a, a level of maturity that it did you know I, I i talked about it a lot this year spent the 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 month of july in it uh, 
since returning, spent numbers of uh, you know spent a lot of time evangelizing it here in San Francisco with the the, the Dutch consul and, and participated a little bit in, in seeing what uh, what's being planned for next year. So to me, it's it, it's a great watershed for for indie developers and, and just people who want to improve their craft. Excellent and uh, Manton. Yeah, I think for me the highlight was really just watching Apple seeing Tim Cook actually run with a company he shows that he knows what he can knows what it takes to to lead the company and to actually introduce huge number of products uh iphone 5 mini new screen sizes new retina and actually kind of for those parts in terms of developers watching those go off fine you know um there weren't, weren't any major stumbling blocks for new screen sizes and new devices so uh, i think just overall it was nice to see apple do so well in that that part of the product rollout. And Mr. English? Um, I think the new OS is uh, iOS 6 and Mountain Lion were very good. They have like a lot of good um, a lot of good new functionality and sort of more important, especially in the case of Mountain Lion, they uh, address a lot of the shortcomings of the previous system. Uh, you know, so it's stuff like the document stuff now actually works a lot better. iCloud's better integrated. The APIs are better. Uh, there's all the literals, the objects of C literals that we were just talking about. Um, things are just generally improving. They're, they're on a very good, solid basis right now. I think. Yeah, I think for me, my my sort of highlight of the year or, or pleasing of the year is that you know, um, in the first year without Steve Jobs, Apple carried on and did good work um, and didn't screw it up basically. And I think <laughs> there's a, um, you know some good stuff. There was a few mistakes, but they made mistakes before. Um, I think the Retina MacBook Pro was a real sort of highlight. I don't own one, but I, you know, just seeing it now, I think that's a real, you know, next step up for laptops um, in, in the way forward. And just, you know, a good solid year is the highlight, really, um, for me. Now, I, I'm going to get very bored of just going around in circles asking everybody things. So, you know, this, guys, this is a bit more a uh, bit more of a free-for-all. So, um, you know, and, and this is far too organized for a podcast I'm normally involved in. So let's see if we can, <laughs> see if we can screw this up a little bit everybody more. Everybody already noticed that in the chat room, too. Yeah, so. exactly. They're pointing it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, on my best behavior right so um anybody can fire in here first of all yeah let's let's start we're going to see you're all going to rush in for this one because the, the next question we have is what mistakes did you make in 2012 all of them <laughs> yeah <Duh. laughs> yeah so many how do you choose i i'm i'm willing to 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 Put my my head on the chopping block first. In general, I, I held on to some things way too long, and one of the things was hanging on to a crappy old machine that I kept saying, "No, I'm going to wait until this new fancy MacBook Pro Retina comes along, and I'll be manly and 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 be forced to to try and make everything run so tight because I'm constantly running out of RAM." Big mistake. I should have just like gotten the fastest machine I could a long time ago. And similarly, with an old code base, I waited way too long to to, to try and bring it up and, and make it modern um, to convert everything to Arc and 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 just get rid of a bunch of cruft that that has been in the frameworks for a long time. But that I kept saying, well, you know, I wrote it, and so I have this emotional attachment to it. Big mistake. So you know, related to yeah, that I, is. Uh, you know, I um, I have that uh, magical record project out there, and uh, kind of the antithesis to what you were saying—you waited too long. I think I jumped too early on on a lot of things that came out with uh, with core data, and um, 
introducing the the nested uh, manage object context to the project and that kind of hosed a lot of people up and uh, you know we're getting a lot of flack and and luckily I've been um, getting some help from uh, some members of the community to to help fix some of the problems that that's been uh, causing um, but you know you can you can wait too long you can also um, you know jump on things too soon as, as kind of I did as my my big mistake of uh, 2012. I guess we should all learn how to surf because it isn't that it. You kind of go out, wait for the wave. Wait, is that the right one? Is that the one? You know, get on one so that you are just at the right time. It's, it, it is. Hard. It's an incredibly it's hard thing to do, it? and there is no time. I mean, it, you know, I converted it to Arc uh, as, as soon uh, as Arc came out as well, and, and I didn't have any uh, any repercussions from that transition. So I was thinking, well, the uh, the, the nested manage object context thing would be a uh, uh, you know, a similar thing. I trusted Apple uh, a little too much on that particular regard. So, uh, you know, me and a lot of people have paid the price, but uh, we're working to fix it. So definitely one thing to learn from. What's the problem with nested managed object contexts? Well, in iOS 5, um, they had, uh, it would occasionally lock up. Um, there are certain scenarios where it lock up. Um, iOS 6 had kind of fixed a lot of that. Um, there's also some other scenarios where things, when you save the context, uh, the the uh, manage object IDs don't necessarily uh, move up the um, the context hierarchy with the parent context and things. So you have to do funny things like uh, obtain a permanent ID first of all, and then you have to kind of do the classical merge, uh, you know, merge from a, a, a manage object context save notification things like that. So there's it's not as straightforward as it should be, mm. um, and there are workarounds, but I didn't have those workarounds uh, early on. So my my big mistake of the past year was wasting um, a couple weeks trying to move my app into Core Data, and I was using nested managed object contexts and ran into all kinds of problems and backed out and switched over to a more straightforward use of SQLite. But uh, interesting that Core Data is causing you, problems. You are now. the Core Data hate guy. You, you're the guy that has... Uh Given Core Data a bad name, though. Even though I've gone on the record and say for 95% of, of all cases, you should probably use Core Data. I've been quite clear about yeah, that. Yes, but no one's going to remember that. Right. No, no one remembers the retraction, do they? Exactly. Or well, the, the, the apology on page 46. It was, the, it was the why I hate Core Data blog post of you know, 1846 <laughs> that uh, was set in stone forever. <laughs> I think we all think we're so special that we fall into that 5%. Yeah. You know, that must be me, that special case. I was pretty clear about what, what's, what kind of things uh, entail a special case. Um, but whatever, yeah, forever I'll be known as that guy who hates core data. And, and I really don't. I've shipped apps with it. it I think it's awesome, except when it sucks. <laughs> In which case, it's 90% yeah, yeah. 90, 90 less awesome. Yeah, the one thing people don't realize is that post, I think you wrote that when it was uh, first introduced on iOS 3 or Probably, something. Yeah. Or, yeah, it was it was a while ago, and, and Cordian is, uh, it's moved forward. I mean, it's not, hasn't moved forward in, in ways that I would like, but uh, that's why Magical still, Magical Record is uh, still pretty popular, but, uh, but yeah, it's it's making making progress, slow and steady. Well, of course, the devices are faster, too, so if if Core Data had performance problems, exactly. then it has less now, even if the code hasn't changed at all. Manton, do you yeah. use uh, Core Data? I don't. Uh, I tried it a couple times, like prototyping an app, and I didn't care for it. It it had it felt great at first because like, oh look, all this work 
I can save, you know, all this stuff I can get done. But then I started hitting the problem of it just doing all this magic behind the scenes that I could tell it was going to take a lot of work to debug and figure out what was going on. And you know, I've been doing database stuff, server stuff for a long time, so I'm comfortable with, with SQL. I'm comfortable with my own little mini framework for SQLite. And so after my initial test with it, I just went back and, and rolled my own thing and haven't really looked back since. Do you, so, Manton, sorry, what, what did you? What, no, Guy, were you going to carry on asking questions about core data? Because uh, I don't want to move us on if we're still on top. No, no, that's fine. You move on. I was just going to see what Manton screwed up this year. Yeah, I think for me, kind of echoing what Saul was saying about doing things too early, but more from the business decision side. I early on in the year, I killed off uh, one of my little Mac products, uh, WeTransfer, and it was still selling. And in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have ended it so quickly. Um, I made the decision to do that because I wasn't using it myself anymore. I wasn't, you know, I felt bad for customers, you know, trying to support this app that I don't use and, and not, and knowing I wasn't going to really maintain it. So I thought it'd be better just to kill it off, but it was selling fairly consistently still. And I probably killed it off a little too early. I should have, uh, maybe did a couple more updates and, and, maintained it a little longer while I was rolling over and sort of ramping up other products. Have there been pitchfork wielding angry mobs of, of nerds? You know, no, it, it's been fine for the most part. I still get emails fairly frequently for people that they find the website and then they realize that I'm not selling it anymore. And I basically just send them a free copy and say, you know, I'm not really supporting this, but you know, feel free to use it. If it still works for you. Great. But there's always going to be emails. I still get, um, I still got emails asking me for updates to a product that um, I killed off just before Leopard. In fact, the product never even got released. It was only ever out there in a public beta and then um, decided not to do anything with it and, and, and wasn't going to ship it. And it sort of broke with Leopard and I still get requests for updates to it now. So there's always going to be someone at your door, someone upset that it doesn't work in 17 years time. Yep. In which case, I just tell that person, look, writing code and shipping apps, piece of cake, just do it yourself. <laughs> Especially if you use Cordata. Right, okay. <laughs> uh, I guess I'm going to ship in here. Uh, I, I guess my mistake this year is I didn't churn fast enough. I, we had a, a good start to the year and, and then sort of just sort of maybe took this year a little bit too easy. Didn't didn't keep it, um, you know, didn't keep the pressure on, didn't produce enough products and enough stuff going out there. And, uh, you know, come the end of the year, it all comes back and bites you when you do stuff. So I think uh, maybe my mistake was I didn't work hard enough. <laughs> kind of doubt that. I, I think we should all volunteer to, like, you know, send some type of motivational tweet or text message to, to, to Scotty every day, something kind of Tony Robbins-esque. <laughs> well, there's, um, over here in the, the main supermarket chain, Tesco's, um, they have the, you know, used to have this value line. Everything was so, so cheap that, um, you know, it, you could almost, you couldn't believe they could even make the packaging for the sort of price they were selling things at. And it was, it was, uh, really great. But anyway, someone just produced a sort of spoof bunch of stuff on this. And, and one of them was, you know, a Tesco's value motivational poster, which just a great big poster in the branding colors. Of just said on it, be motivated. So that's what we needed. <laughs> I want that on a shirt. I hopefully it can kill off the keep calm, you know, and carry on variants. <laughs> I think that's it's the right time for the the the, the now fully declined British Empire. <laughs>
Mr. Scotty. Sorry, I, was, I muted my microphone and then started talking. See, that's that's another mistake I make in 2012. I've done that a lot. <laughs> Who hasn't told us their screw-ups yet? Guy, I don't think you have, have you? Yeah, I'm trying to think of one because I'm pretty awesome. Um, oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> no. there, needs to be one, there needs to be one on every show. Uh, yeah, no, I'm actually, I'm actually trying to pick between the many of them. Um, Boy, that's sort of Singleton. Worst... What a clusterfuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Man, the food poisoning everybody got. That oh, was geez. awful. Yeah. I felt so bad about that. <laughs> mm. um, I think the the sort of the biggest one that I'd like to switch up is not so much technical, but um, sort of time management and just committing to a lot of things and being able to judge um, how long things are going to take and more accurately. Uh, like I'm pretty decent at judging engineering problems, but... When there's, you know, I do contract work, I do my own stuff, and I've got, uh, I've got some other stuff going on too. So sort of trying to figure out how to uh, allocate time is probably something that uh, I screwed up quite a bit this year, and I'd like to improve. Do you find running a meth lab is eating into your into your you know product development time? Here's the thing: it takes me very little time to cook up the meth. But I am out of it for like a week afterwards. It's just really screwed up. I, guess. I cannot get my stuff together after I've cooked up a badge. I thought it was supposed to help you code faster, though. I mean, yeah, I, I get work done. God knows how. But it, I mean, it's, it's a blur. I just, you know. <laughs> Take all but, that you heroin? Know, whatever. It's a living. It's all right. It's just a, we're just waiting. We can hear the sirens in the background now as they're on their way to get you. <laughs> this is a live show, remember? <laughs> Great, perfect. Got to go, guys. <laughs> for for a long, long time. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. Um. Now another. You know, uh, not everyone's you know awesome and perfect like Guy. Um. Not even Apple are that awesome and perfect. Uh. Uh. You know, they get some things right and they get some things wrong. So, um, a question that uh, we decided we were going to have a chat about was, you know, what can we learn from Apple from this year of, you know, about what they've done well and what they've not done so well. So, um, I think who who phrased that question? I think it was you, Manton. Actually, do you want to do you want to pick up first on that? Uh, sure. Although I phrased it because I was wanting to hear what other people have to say. I I'm not uh, sure well, I have we... an answer for it. No, I, I mean I would say for. The things well, it's the marketing and figuring out how to like refine a product to be just simple and straightforward, easy to easy to get, and then just to sell, you know, sell it to as best you can and to to get that image across. That's something I've always struggled with, and certainly next year and the year after and forever, want to continue to improve how to market and sell apps. So that part really resonates with me for the stuff that they haven't done well. Uh, well, I mean, they've had really high-profile sort of failures with Maps. Um, I think even iCloud, uh, for some parts, feels flaky, doesn't feel as robust as it should be. And so from that, I would just learn, you know, if you're going to invest everything in this in terms of the image of the company and, and all the products using it, make sure you really to back up the technical side of it so you can actually deliver on what you're, what you're trying to do. Okay, anyone want to, anyone want to pitch in here? I mean, I, I personally I find it quite difficult to to learn from Apple because they are, yeah, they're on a scale that is just so unbelievably different. And in many ways, um, 
yeah, for someone like myself, I spend all my time on the whole dealing with developers. You know, if I'm producing video products, it's for developers. If I develop, to be honest, I don't go out there and find clients directly. I normally subcontract for other developers. So my whole life is spent, you know, um, looking at developers. Um, but, uh, you know, Apple, I think, of, um, They've moved away from trying to be this geeky product in a way, and they're very much focusing on on the mainstream. And, and so, for me, in my thing, it's, it's quite hard for to relate, other than that they just produce dimorphs and machines and stuff that I want to I, I want to use. Yeah, and, and when they screw up, you know, uh, it was almost the yeah with the maps. Yeah, I, we screwed up. We're sort of saying sorry, but you know, tough luck. <laughs> um, in a way, and, and I don't know. Can we? Can, can any of us get away with that at that level, or is it they at a scale now that it's you know we can't if we behave like they behave, we're not going to be in business very long. I, I think you hit that hit it perfectly. I mean, it's it's it, there is very it is very hard to to learn from that other than the kind of meta lesson of of just trying to to keep the customer in mind first and foremost. I mean, when I look at the maps thing, you know, where we are today is just obviously a very different place from a couple of days from the point of view of the consumer because, you know, the consumer now can have, you know, the Google Maps app, which works, I think, very, very nicely. And 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 I also happen to think that the, that the Apple Maps app wasn't so bad. I mean, and, and it may just be because I haven't run into the problems. I mean, yeah, there were some comical missteps and melted Brooklyn bridges. And, and, and even now in San Francisco, where it should be relatively easy, they still send you on some, some oddball things. I have confidence it will get better. But as a consumer now, I have the choice. And it's like one of those things where at the time before it's happening, it's very easy to, to kind of get all wrapped up or wrapped around the axle. And then a little time passes and you think, well, yeah. It all seemed to have worked out in the end. I can say that about Maps thing. I don't have a whole lot of confidence that Apple is ever going to really get the whole iCloud and server side stuff working. I just, you know, I think this is a much discussed topic, but it's hard to say. I've seen a ton of improvement. Have we just lost John, or did he just decide to stop halfway through the <laughs> sentence? No. I- <laughs> That was the end of the sentence, was it? That was the end of the sentence. So, oh, right, okay. You, you right. just sounded like you were just really going for it, and then suddenly you sort of like swiped no, you on the back of the head. No, 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 no. I mean, baseball that, 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 that was that was my my. It was just a kind of a reflection. I mean, mostly maybe just thinking out loud. I mean, it, it, it's it, it. You know, the, the the if you're trying to answer the question, and and and, and because we none of us operate on an Apple scale, all you can do is try and, and kind of say, well, what what can you look from from the phenomena of it, and not the the specific activity. Yeah, okay. I think you can still take some examples from what they're doing, though. I mean, the at, the maps thing seems to me to be um, uh, kind of a a lesson in releasing too early. And you know, we've kind of had this on and off as how early and often you should you should release. And a lot of people uh, err on the side of release it early, get something out there so you can get some feedback. It seems like Apple thought they were ready and they weren't because you know the directions were not right or you know some part of it was not adequate and it just seems like it, it might have not been like way early like alpha early but it was just early too early enough that it could have they could have let this thing simmer for a little while and tested it and and gotten the the kinks worked out a little bit longer um to ha- to kind of avoid something like this yeah, I yeah think and, 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 and i'm sorry oh i was just i think there's something to that too and i i said a second ago that you know they weren't they didn't have the technical sort of back end to 
to follow through on what they promised. But I think there was also that they um, sort of blind to the problems that you have, you don't realize you have. And so when they were showing off maps and rolling it out, they didn't seem like they understood where the holes in the product were. And, uh, you know, I mean, like in terms of a lesson, I mean, I'm, I certainly ship things too early sometimes, but hopefully we can do a better job of at least acknowledging where the holes in our product are and the bugs are so that we're not completely <clears throat> blind to, to the, uh, the problems before we roll it out. Is this a case of here we see, I mean, have Apple ever been any different? They, they had a deadline to ship um, iOS 6 and they shipped um, in whatever state it was in. Um, you know, I remember when I used to work in the, um, the Borland world, mainly around you know, Delphi and Pascal, you know, Borland moved into this sort of quarterly release schedule and they would ship something every quarter regardless of whether it was ready or not and it became a total disaster. And, you know, the day they announced that, uh, no, actually now we're going back to shipping when something's ready, um, you know, got big cheers from, from everybody. Have Apple got caught up in this, you know, we're just going to ship it? I mean, they had to ship uh, the iPhone, I guess, at the time of year they did to catch the you know, the holiday season sales and, and everything else. But, you know, do they, you know, did, did maps have to be in there? Or, was, you know, are we seeing politi- political struggles? I know Google Maps were had to go, but um, was this a case of they were forced to ship or... or you know, are we seeing just a whole intrigue here? And it's but you know they've released. If we think about what Apple have done this year, iOS six and Mountain Lion and iPad Minis and two iPads and whatever else, and yet we still love to talk about Maps. Well, I think Maps is interesting because it's one of the cases where they sort of publicly fell on their face. Uh, I think that uh, the damage is a little bit more exaggerated than than is actually the case. But it's you know it's a it's a big story because they struck out basically. So is this kind of like uh, Antenna Gate was? I mean, you know the the whole uh, you know uh, iPhone antenna reception thing was was a big deal for a, maybe a smaller subset of people than you know those who owned iPhones and maybe this map thing is you know the, you know the vocal minorities again speaking up like yeah it you know some people in Australia got lost by following the maps to the wrong place but you know for the vast majority of the users that you know it takes them to the right place I know like every place that I've tried it's it's been pretty accurate I have you know it's it's gotten a little kooky on the routing. Um, but it hasn't like taken me over to like Kansas when I look for something in Denver, you know, it's, it's been mostly okay. And, and not to the extent that, you know, I'll get lost in the outback or something. Right. I mean, well, go ahead. Well, I was just saying that it just makes for a very interesting thing to observe because there's this, this, you know, discussion about is Apple going to get good enough, you know, at, at server and backend and massive data manipulation, which you have to be if you want to do maps credibly, then Google is going to, to do with getting, you know, smooth consumer quality, um, you know, user experiences, which they seem to be doing pretty well. I mean, they, they've really been releasing a raft of apps and I think they're pretty cool. Um, and so it's, it's just very interesting to observe, but it, it's clear that you really can't have the total consumer package without both parts. And, it, you know, it used to be that Apple could work very cooperatively, then, then the big split comes. And, and it's just, as I said, it's just, it's mostly interesting to observe. I think there's this, um, I think it was John Syracuse on the Hypercritical podcast was discussing this a couple of months ago. 
uh, and, and he was just sort of saying a difference between Apple and Google. You know, in the fact that you know Apple were probably looking for clever solutions. When you know, whereas when Google had a problem with some data, you know, they they just hired five hundred people and said, "Get in there and fix it." Um, you know, and you know, just use brute force and in manual procedures as opposed to try and be clever about it all. And I think that that that's that's pretty pretty cultural, isn't it? So it's uh, um, you know, it's yeah, Apple have spent. It's funny because Apple have spent years now trying to get out of the enterprise and server market. Uh, and have they left themselves too inexperienced to do it themselves? But, you know, here's something I wonder. I mean, because you know, showing my age, back back when I was doing web objects programming, that in, and you would go talk to these you know enterprise customers, and they'd always say, "Does web objects scale? And how can you you know bet your company or, or ask us to bet you know our project on on this product?" And I always used to be able to say, "I was like, well, you know, iTunes seems to scale really well." What's What's amazing to me is is that. You know, I've just have never ever seen a, a hiccup, a problem. Well, maybe I shouldn't say it's never. I, I hardly ever notice anything going wrong with 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 using iTunes. You know, any more than I would say from from having you know occasional glitch using Amazon. I mean, and that to me is is a pretty impressive thing. And you think about the the volume of of data that they store and push out just from 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 music sales to say nothing about video and, and, and apps and all that other kind of stuff that seems to run really well so I always wonder you know is it is it that they just don't have that many people and and they you know they, they can't afford to take them off of what already is working or or is it just different problems that I don't know I don't know anybody else want to pitch in on this okay I've got a question then um, uh, the new IMAX Okay, they look really nice. Okay, that they're elegantly designed. But does my desktop machine need to be compromised by being thin? Is there a need for my desktop machine to be that thin? Are we seeing style over substance now and some of this stuff? And where's that going to end? Well, if you can make well, it that what? thin, why not? Right. I mean, why what make more it substance thick? do you want? Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, what more substance do you want in your iMac? Oh, I don't know. I just thought it could be controversial. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, work, the, did it? You, yeah. just both, you just both said, you all just said, shut up, jerk. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't mean that. But it's like, what? So the argument is uh, user accessible parts and a big video card that has a lot of heat. No, no, because I, I mean, that's, that's, that, that's no, because the iMac is still a consumer level machine. Um, but yeah, okay. Uh, I'm just. Um, I'm just not sure. D- D- DVD dr- DVD drive. Did it really? Ha- I can understand why it goes from laptops. I can understand why you know, it's about weight. It's about getting more into smaller and smaller packages. And I know Apple. You know, they've always done this sort of thing. They were the first to remove, you know, the floppy drive from you know from machines. But you know, did that need to leave the desktop machines? That is a consumer device. And still, you know, consumers with huge DVD collections. Um, did it need to go now? Yes. Yeah, it was time. Okay, that's the answer to my question. That's good. <laughs> well, you can still get a DVD as a USB uh, part, so you can get a super drive for like $80, I believe. So it's not like totally gone, but it's, it's again, it's an external accessory. You only need it when you actually do need it. I mean, I've only got one computer in the house out of about five or six that, that actually has a DVD drive, DVD drive anymore, and all I do with it is uh, rip DVDs that I buy at the store and <laughs> and uh, you know put it on my my hard drive. So it it's really okay. doesn't get that much use but anyway. We, we are we are um, in the geek sphere, okay. <clears throat> the moment I told that um, you know 
my wife um, and my daughter that they weren't going to be able to buy a desktop or a laptop with a DVD drive in anymore. They said, I just won't bother upgrading yet then. Yeah, I think, because I think to, I'm with to you. Them, I think I'm with you, Scotty, that it's a little too early, maybe. The, cause the thing about the iMac, there's two things, right? As you said, it's consumer device. It's big. A lot of people can use this to watch movies on and like almost like a TV in a, in a different room where they don't have a TV. And so have, being able to play a DVD seems useful. But also I think the, the other advantage of the iMac is it's, it's one thing. You don't have a bunch of cables. You don't have a separate, um, box and then a monitor. It's one uh, all enclosed thing. That's always been the thing about the iMac. And then, so to require a separate USB drive, yeah, yeah it kind of defeats the whole purpose of making it thinner and all in one uh, one computer. So maybe a little too early. It doesn't bother me that much, but uh, I definitely see the argument for. No, I mean I could live without it. I mean I took the DVD drive out of my laptop, you know, before and in, in, in put another hard drive in. So I mean, I, I can live without them because I do the digital stuff, but I'm just thinking, you know, if we're consumer products, that's it. anyway, we, we've been, we're only halfway through our questions. I think we probably need to move on unless anyone has got anything they really want to say about Apple does well and does not so well. There's a little, a little mentioned screw up, I think, and not a huge one, but I was really distressed to see how they messed up the app store app on iOS. It appears to me it's been turned essentially into a UI web view. And um, I, I can honestly say, I think since that app was released, I have not bought a single App Store app through just browsing because mm-hmm. I don't browse. The only time I buy apps is if I've come across them on a website or there's been a link to them that's taken me straight there and I can press you know, the buy button. I don't think I've browsed the App Store since that app came out. I find it ironic that here's the place where you go to buy wonderful Cocoa native apps and yet the app itself is basically a web view. But I think it's always been like that. I mean, in the earliest days, there's some sort of web view under the covers. It just, it just kind of made its ugly head visible, uh, in iOS 6 because, uh, some things were less, you know, or more poorly inter- implemented than before. Uh, perhaps, perhaps right. But, uh, before it, it seemed relatively fine. Uh, now. Because yeah. uh, it's always been that way. It doesn't, doesn't mean it's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm sure they have their their reasons to make for making it a web view. Um, you know, s- some things they want to control on the server. Sometimes they can uh, update the content on the server, things like that. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I'd I'd personally wish it was it was more native, more Coco. But it, I think they're also taking that that iTunes model and uh, making it a hybrid app and things like that. Yeah. Well, they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we are. That's the statement. It was, they are wrong. That's it. That, we have the power to make them change. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, we just sit back by the and end of ne- By the end of next week, you will have a native I, um, <laughs> App Store app, and there will be DVD drives back in the iMac. It Can is I get a, a DVD drive in my iPad? Uh, I want one in my phone. <laughs> <laughs> there we are. It's, uh, let's move on quickly. Right, question number four. <laughs> we'll, um, we'll, start with, um, we'll start with you, John. What are you learning right now? Not this very second, because you're, you're learning that actually we have no idea what we're talking about. But other than that, what, 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 what are you uh, focusing on learning at this, uh, this moment in time in your life? Um, well, I mean, for, for one thing, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm learning how to, to have a tighter integration between all aspects of the development process. And that, 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 that means lo- everything and nothing. Um, uh, I don't know whether, whether you knew, Scotty, but I, I, I joined a company called Findery. 
which is, and so as a result, I now have for the first time in, in many, many years, a whole team of people to work with focused entirely on one product. And I like that. <laughs> I like being able to have graphic designers next to me. I like to have business development people and, and back end and, and web front end. And, uh, I, I like having, you know, this experience. Um, I think, you know, it, it, yeah, so it, it, it's it's nice to be able to have that, but it, it's also a bit different from me because it's you know when when you are are, are the you know the primary engineer on 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 a project or the you know the the primary product person in addition to to writing the code and doing all the things there's a certain kind of it, you know if there's an ease to it which is very nice, but it, there's also it's very easy to just to make tons of mistakes simply because you can and you're kind of not held responsible until you're out in the market really. Um, whereas you can, when you are with this team, you can you, you, mistakes are, are surfaced much more quickly, and, and good ideas hopefully are, are are surfaced more quickly and acted upon. That's cool. No, John, you never talk to me these days. I didn't know any of that. Ah. <laughs> uh, um, anyone else out there working on stuff right now? Look, learning stuff that, that, that's exciting them or boring them. Been learning uh, core text. I don't, and I don't know why I put it off so long. Um, but my theory is that typography will become ever more important to apps in the future. And core text is, is really cool. It gives you um, um, a fair amount of control and can do some cool stuff that UI labels don't do. Um, so it's going to be really fun. You're slowly going to turn into a graphics nerd, Brent. Oh, yeah, yeah probably. And so next on my list is uh, OpenGL, which is something right. I've put off learning for a long time. Yeah, that shouldn't take more than the weekend. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. But, you know, I was impressed. Um, I, I never really thought about OpenGL that much until I saw Letterpress. And, I, and even though that's a game, it seemed, for the first time, I could imagine using OpenGL um, in the service of, um, of a user interface for something that's not a game. Uh, from looking at letterpress and i thought you know it's enough i've spent enough time avoiding math and stuff like that that you know <laughs> it's probably time to learn this stuff and and see if i can make my own stuff better uh, in the process do you now regret sniffing glue before trig class in junior high <laughs> i just i just cut class actually is what i did ah. i i don't know i don't know what people learned in there no idea. I mean, guy, you're 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 already an OpenGL nerd, so you can't go off and learn OpenGL for the weekend because <laughs> you you already know it. I mean, you need something far more challenging. What are you learning right now? Um. Well, I was trying to share something to iCloud last night, and it didn't work, and I gave up at like three thirty a.m. And like it, oh, it worked, a doddle compared it to worked that. from one account, like one local account, and it didn't work from my main local account. And then this morning, I tried it again to start deep, and then it worked. So I'm learning patience, pretty much. Um, yeah, you know, I'm sort of getting more accustomed to um, networking and sort of back-end stuff that I haven't had to deal with uh, previously because I've mostly been focused on client stuff. And do you, are you enjoying the whole network philosophy of things or is it so you're thinking, how the heck has anybody ever lived in this world? Uh, no, I'm definitely enjoying learning it. I mean, one thing that I am sort of aware of is that uh, sort of years ago, I, I'd, I'd pick up new operating systems and new languages all the time. Uh, and I've been doing that less and less recently. I don't know if it's because I'm, you know, working more or just sort of getting 
more comfortable in the tools that I'm using, so I don't look around as much. Uh, or getting old? Yeah, that's the other thing that I was trying not to say. Because <laughs> Brent's here and he gets touchy. Um, but yeah, no, I think... <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm, you know, sort of actively trying to learn new things. Cool. Or at least get out of my comfort zone. Mantum? Yeah, I've I've gone back to hosting this thing. I don't know why. Mantum. <laughs> I I've been trying to learn how to make subscription billing work more. So I've got a bunch of web projects that I work on. Of course there's hosting costs to that and I and I feel like the only way to make those really successful is to get people to pay me every month automatically. Um for features and ongoing maintenance. And so I've been really trying hard to make this work. And that's both this backend stuff and integrating with things like the Stripe API for credit cards and, and also just getting back to the marketing side of it and just yeah, convincing people that this is a sort of viable way to buy software. You're going to be charged a few bucks every month and it's going to keep going and the software is going to keep getting better. And um, so just trying to make that work has been a big focus of, of, my life <laughs> recently. So have you Just, been um, rolling your own or have you been trying to sort of use somebody who will do a subscription service for you and, and getting around the sort of limitations that sometimes brings? Uh, I guess mostly rolling my own. I started with PayPal last year and that has all sorts of problems. It was not designed for subscriptions at all. I would strongly discourage anyone from using that. Um, and then I've, I've switched over to Stripe, which is a really beautiful API. They've got great examples, great documentation um, for setting up customers and having them charged every month and uh, lots of good features. So I'm really happy with that. But yeah, just learning that process and and trying to trying to make it work. And there's, there's it's a kind of a completely different world from traditional software that I'm used to because you have... You have to get people to sign up. You have to convince them not to cancel next month. Uh, you know, it's just kind of a different, uh, a different world. It's been fun, but there's a lot to learn. Is, is Stripe available outside the U.S. in anywhere yet? Uh, I think, unfortunately, it may be U.S. only. It might be Canada as well, but uh, it's definitely it's definitely not in Europe because we would we would love to use Stripe here, but we just don't get the choice. Yeah, unfortunately not. Hopefully they'll expand. I mean, as far as I can tell, they're doing well. I mean, I know a bunch of people are using it now. If you're in Europe and, uh, and you want to do subscriptions, then a reasonably um, good solution is Fastspring. Oh, cool. They they offer they offer a, a, a subscription billing service, which which uh, I don't use because we don't do subscription billing. But um, Fastspring, on the whole, is a uh, payment provider are pretty darn good. That's who we use them for our developer TV and uh, uh, their subscription service looks pretty good as well. Nice. Mr. Mora, what are you doing? You seem to be, you, you seem to be um, always learning how to get to more conferences. <laughs> so are you offering now? I'm, I'm not saying a word. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I think one of the things that I've been learning uh, recently has probably been pretty obvious is trying to... Um, I would say, you know, be more than just a developer. Uh, and that's kind of like in a business sense and also a community sense as well. Uh, you know, recently, I'm pretty sure everybody here has seen me tweet about the iOS dev camp that I or organized. So I've been, you know, trying to promote more things in the community. Basically, I'm trying to affect more positive change, you know, in, in the role of a, a software developer. You know, you know obviously, 
you know, you know, uh, serving, uh, you know, or writing apps for clients and things pays the bills. But uh, I just kind of feel like there, there's more to it than just just writing the code. And I'm been learning how to um, extend that influence in a positive way uh, in the kind of the world around me. And uh, you know, attending conferences and, and you know, sharing the knowledge is one way to do it. Um, the one way that I've been doing it recently that's been a lot more fun and uh, is uh, teaching little kids at, uh, at my my kids' elementary school. So we've been walking through programming exercises, and today was uh, was the last day. And uh, I want to give a shout out to um, uh, Mr. Walter Tyree, who uh, who had donated um, the USB drives that we gave out at the last day, so that they could uh, they could save all of their their scratch projects and uh, kind of take them home and and show their parents and stuff. So you know, doing things like that's been fun. And uh, you know, one of the other things I'm working on, and uh, this is a really early announcement, and we're we're still nailing down uh, some details, but you know, we're doing the, the the, the iKids Developer Conference uh, next mm. year in July. Um, so we've set the venue. It's at Disneyland in uh, in California, and uh, it's I believe July 14th through 16th. Um, two days. We're trying. We're still um, gathering um, uh, people to help uh, teach other kids to do stuff, and we're still organizing. We've got the venue nailed down. We've got some awesome room rates and things. But you know, these are the kinds of things that I'm learning how to do, like organizing a conference. I've never done this before. This is uh, pretty tricky. Um, oh, it's, it's easy. <laughs> That's yeah. where you have Dave do everything, right? You hire you hire Dave, and then well, you don't <laughs> hire Dave. You find your own Dave. <laughs> can I, yeah, I was going to say, can I borrow Dave for a while? <laughs> well, we can we can we can negotiate a rate. <laughs> But anyhow, you know, these kinds of things are, are what, I, what I'm trying to do, and uh, it's been fun and interesting, and it's taking me definitely way out of my comfort zone, but it's also been an amazing experience, and uh, uh, it, it, it reminds me why I love doing what I do every day. That sounds really great. That's cool. I, I love the stuff with going to kids. Um, this year, um, something set up here in the UK called Co Club. Um, uh, I, I don't really know anyone in it, and I don't know too much about it other than I know the idea was to set up um, after-school clubs in, in schools um, to teach kids coding. Um, and I, th- I think, if I remember right, they were going to use Python to do it or something. I can't remember. It's not detail. And they sort of launched this thing probably just back in the summer. And, you know, it's just taken off. There, there are apparently now over a 1,000 schools in the UK running these code clubs already after school e- each week, just teaching kids to code. And, it, and that's that's fantastic. Yeah, I ran into somebody who uh, who was part of that organization uh, when I was out there for iOS Dev UK too, and uh, they also had a thing while we were there. They had another, um, they had a little, uh, I guess it's a day long workshop for kids, uh, teaching them how to program for um, wearable Arduino devices. And uh, I was amazed that you know kids, basically seven to nine, ten years old, uh, were able to pick up C and an embedded C at that. And, uh, you know, as long as you could help them get past, uh, a few compiler warnings, you know, because they don't know what a syntax error means or all that stuff. But, you know, you get them, help them pass that and, and they pick it up, they eat it up. It's, it's just crazy, but it's just so much fun to watch them build something that, and, and their eyes light up that, Hey, I can do all this awesome stuff here. And, uh, yeah. And code club is one of those awesome organizations. You know, we're trying to, I think, uh, you know, there's a few out here that I've seen, but uh, it'd be really nice if, uh, you know, all these organizations could kind of talk to each other and kind of share some knowledge. Cause that's definitely one thing where all of us can really affect positive change in the world. Carry on, someone's going to speak. No, I'm just saying, I think it, that is so incredibly cool. Is actually, you know, I, I remember going to Radio Shack 
with my dad. I mean, my dad was an amateur opera, amateur radio operator and built Heath kits. And, and so, you know, I used to go with him and I, and I remember, you know, radio shacks had things like, you know, comic books talking about various, you know, inventors and whatnot. And I haven't been to a radio shack in years, except for when I went this past weekend and I was just amazed and, and very happy to see that they have a whole, you know, a whole Arduino section and that it's all branded with, with, with make magazine so that they have kind of these nice pop, my nice things set up. And I, I'm totally um, uh, am in awe of Saul of, of what you're doing. I think that's incredibly cool, and it, it, it is an incredibly beautiful thing you you can do, you know, to teach a, a next generation of people to do it. I mean, I, I I am always thrilled when I can pay back or pay forward, however you want to describe it, you know, to give to give to other people what I got when I was first learning. But that's those are people who are kind of my contemporaries to to, to do it for kids. You know, is is just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah, and this is something that everybody, everybody who's listening to the show can do this in their own little local community. If they have kids, they can do it in your elementary school, you know, or, or wherever school that you're at. And just, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot. You just ask, uh, ask the principal, ask the teacher, talk to them. Most of them are going to say yes, especially if you're doing this for free. I mean, most schools in the U.S., you know how bad the education system is mm-hmm. here. We pay for nothing. Um, and they're willing to take free. And, uh, you know, like you know, like John said, it's 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 paying it forward, and uh, that's really all I'm I'm doing it for. So it's been fun, and uh, I highly encourage everybody to go and try that. That's cool. As for myself, I've been learning this last few weeks more about WordPress and Ruby on Rails and CSS than I ever wanted to, and ever want to ever again. Um, but uh, the end is nigh. I think. <laughs> I hope. It is there, but uh, so that brings us on. I'll pick up next. Then you know, our next question was: um, uh, We need to pick up the pace a little bit here as well, guys. We've been on the air almost an hour. Um, yeah, you know, our next uh, question and was: Yeah, you know, what do I plan to learn in 2013? Well, next on my list is: um, I've decided that I really need to do some serious investigation into storyboards. I've sort of been fairly dismissive of them, and I've sort of you know picked up on the geek hype of. Um, uh, yeah, we shouldn't touch them. They're only good for simple projects and whatever else. And yet, the more I look at the new technologies coming, you know, out in iOS and, and whatever else, more and more of it is going to get tied into. If you're using storyboards, this is easy. If you're not, you've got lots of extra work to do. Um, I mean, you know, just little things like look at the UI state management stuff that comes uh, that came up with iOS six. It's all hooked into the storyboard system. I think we're going to see more and more of that in the technologies and. Um, so to give them some serious uh, look, and, and also I'm looking at all the new stand APIs um, because you know there's a, a there's a whole bunch of stuff there that uh, we'd like to get involved in and um, need to get to grips with. So that's that's my plan for 2013. Who else is looking at uh, new stuff, or is everybody just going to be boring during 2013 and do what they did during 2012? I'm trying to get the guts. Oh, I guess that's a yes. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say uh, storyboards make makes me think of auto layout. I've been afraid of it <laughs> i tried doing the simplest thing and lost like a couple hours one night and haven't touched it again but by god i i think i should better better ought to learn it yeah well the the problem with the problem with auto layer isn't auto layer the problem with auto layer is interface builder mm. um it's uh the, the the main trouble there is is that um uh interface builder for for i guess reasonably obvious reasons does not allow you to have an invalid layout, which means in order to prevent your layouts being invalid, slaps loads of stuff in all the time. 
Um, I think all it really needs is for you to be able to say, okay, I'm in layout mode now. I don't want you to do anything until I finish, and then you can try and fix my mistakes. And I think it would then immediately get a lot better. And the other problem is lots of people just try and use it like springs and struts, and it's a totally different system. If only there was a course that could help us with this. I would, uh, I would pay top dollar for that. Mm. That's good. That's good, yeah. May, maybe someone should do one of those. <laughs> All right, come move, move. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move, move on. Who, who else? Who else? Yeah. So is also is, is you say you played with it the other night. Have you given up now, Brent? Or is that still top of your list to learn? Or what's on your what's on your learning list? What's on the the Brent Simmons self improvement program for 2013? Well, OpenGL, as I mentioned, auto layout, and yeah, I, I ought to look at storyboards too. Um, I can't think of anything else I've been putting off, but yeah, it's. Even if auto layout scared the hell out of me at first, it, you know, it's still one of those things. You can't afford to fall behind on the on the basic technologies. Or at least I can't. Uh, so, yeah. I think that's everything I can think of. Now, I'd kind of like to use latent semantic mapping for something. <laughs> I figure if I get into it, I'll find a use. But, yeah, well, I've been saying that for like five years. Yeah, related to auto layout, I, I think next year I plan to just require iOS 6 and then see what I can do. <laughs> so, you know, require it and then then look at what technologies that I can improve my code with. So auto layout is one. Um, UI collection view is certainly another. I'd love to start using that. And um, I'm inspired by the OpenGL comment too, Brent. I, that's another huge hole in my knowledge, and I feel like it's holding me back to be able to do some graphic stuff. So that's a, that's a good thing. I'm going to put that at the end of my list somewhere. Okay, this is common. Maybe we ought to just sort of um, kidnap Guy. Um, you know, put ourselves in some remote uh, um, shack somewhere with a load of beers and a couple of laptops and force him to teach you a certain gel for a weekend. All right. I like I'm, it. I'm, I'm up for it. I didn't say you could have any of the beer, though, Guy. Oh. That's for, that's for us to get yeah, us through I'm, it. I'm busy that weekend, eh? <laughs> All right. Well, maybe you for can. Guy, it's whiskey. Thanks. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> I don't know what I want to learn. I, I mean, I think you took all the good, or at least all the things that I've been thinking of. Um, You're allowed to do the same. Yeah. Well, it's not. It's not because because Brent's <laughs> because Brent's doing auto layout doesn't mean nobody. I, else no, can. I've been fighting with it recently too. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm I'm behind on core data. I kind of know how it works, but I just haven't had to use it in 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 anger. I think I never really know what I'm going to end up having to learn until I stumble on the problem that I'm trying to solve. So it's kind of a hard question to answer, really. Uh, I don't know. You're just one of those sort of casual, laid-back sort of guys that you just deal with life as it hits you. Well, I tend to... I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I tend to try to solve a problem and then figure out which technologies are going to help me do that. Uh, so it makes it hard to sort of predict what I'm going to end up trying to learn the next year because it could be all over the map so that when you when you learn a technology um you kind of end up uh developing problems that that technology will fit does that make sense yeah that as in like you're limiting the problems you're going to solve just because you have a limited tool set well you know so i'm thinking about OpenGL again right so Uh if i if I learn this stuff, I'll know 
my, my imagination, my vocabulary will have been expanded. So right. as I'm yeah. developing apps, I will think of things to do that I wouldn't necessarily have thought of right. if I hadn't learned this technology. Yeah. Does, that, does that make sense? So it kind of like, it can work both ways. Yeah, you know what? I think one thing you are going to figure out is um, you're going to understand core animation a lot more. Yeah, that'd be great. Like you'll, I was just going to say you know, that, yeah. Like you'll come up with weird ways of using core animation because you're going to understand what, what the basis of it is. So mm -hmm, you'll be cool. you'll be a lot more comfortable with the uh, with the the model the abstraction model that it's got. But Deb, wouldn't it force you to? I mean, I don't know. The more interesting stuff I've ever tried to do in core animation involved transformations. Right. And that's another thing where I said, "Man, I wish I was better at at math and, and understanding matrices and whatnot." And now you'd have no choice to use it because you really can't get anywhere with OpenGL without having that, right? Right. I mean, so that's not really that tough. You you, you do it all the time in. Um, you know, regular core graphics calls. Yeah. Uh, basically, just a ma like a matrix transforms one coordinate space into another. So, I mean, if you think of it in terms of your view hierarchy, with zero zero being the the top left, and your view is at one hundred by one hundred, and you go to draw on your view, and you draw it ten ten into your view, uh, it's actually what you've done is transformed the coordinate system. So you're actually drawing at one hundred and ten by one hundred and ten on the screen. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So it's basically, See, it's just that, except you can also handle scaling and rotations. And once you just trust the math to work, that, you know, I take this coordinate transform or this transform and I concatenate it with that transform and it just works, uh, you can sort of move past the, the confusing uh, matrix math kind of stuff on it and just get to doing what you want to do. So we I should start wearing a trust in math t-shirt or something like that. Um like a lot of things it's like it's an abstraction when you call you know when you call NS file manager move x you know move this path to that path you don't really know what's going on under the hood because there's like 20 levels of abstraction there and like it's got to you know resolve the URLs it's got to find them on the disk it's got to uh, move one like atomically, which means creating a copy and then like remapping the inodes way down at the, uh, the file system layer. Then there's stuff happening in the disk controller. Like there's so much abstraction going on there. But basically, like, so once you just learn to stop worrying and trust that CA transform 3D does what you think it does, uh, you can forget about the math and just sort of relax and have a bit of fun. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Cool. Who who hasn't given us their next learning for 2013? John, you haven't. I don't think have you. No, but I think I I I would definitely say along uh, Manton's line. I you know I, I want to learn about how to to do subscription you know services, which you know because it, and it, which is more along kind of marketing stuff as well. So technology wise, yeah, I've I've had to 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 jump in and things, you know, with storyboards I've started playing with and I actually find it nice. Um so I have no worries about that, but it, it it's not really doesn't feel outside my comfort zone. Cool, and I think Saul, you're left, aren't you? Have you shared with us? I can't remember now. Uh no, not yet. So um, you know, technology wise I think I take an approach like guys. I just kind of uh you know if I have a problem I'll kinda of look to see what's out there and uh kinda of learn on the fly. Um, you know, the one thing that, that I'm, uh, I guess I'm going to kind of pay more attention to, I think, uh, in the coming year is on a recent project, it kind of 
was brought to my attention that, uh, you know, some of the stuff that I was doing um, didn't follow like design patterns well enough. So, so I, was, I, I came up with this really, uh, you know, not optimal solution. And it turned out there was a, a design pattern that, that really solved the problem well. And it just kind of reminded me that, you know, I need to look at these things again because they, they are useful, especially in, in a Cocoa, in a, you know, in any, any programming context, you know, the design pattern, the architecture of what you're doing. Uh, you, you know, if you do it, uh, kind of, you know, in a little well-crafted way, uh, it, it makes it, uh, it makes it really easy to deal with and come back to later on. So that's one of those things from a technical standpoint. I'm just going to kind of keep my eye out for and maybe, maybe take some extra time to, uh, to go over those again. Okay, so we're going to stay with you for the next question because um, you put it into the chat room, I think. Um, what do you think Apple should release next year for developers? Uh, a unit testing tool that works. <laughs> uh, rather than all of us open source people you know, doing Apple's work for them, they should have something as a first-class citizen that helps me write unit tests and uh, tells me you know, stuff a lot easier. Right now, you know, OC unit is something from, uh, I don't know, it was like 1998 or something. It's, it's pretty old and it's pretty bad. And, uh, most people now, I, I recommend either, uh, Specta or Kiwi or some other way to, to test their, their apps and stuff. Um, and I don't, I really don't think the open source people should be wasting, uh, our precious cycles on, on unit testing things. I mean, the, the library should be done and, uh, Apple should be doing those. Anyone want to agree or disagree with him? I kind of wish I did unit tests, but I'm stupid. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, this was a, a pretty controversial topic uh, last week on a certain podcast <laughs> that is no longer with us. <laughs> um, but what, what I'll say is that, uh, you know, unit testing is great in the right situations. You know, for stuff that you do with OpenGL, I think the, the unit testing is going to be pretty difficult, um, especially since most things are very visual. Mm-hmm and uh time centric and and things like that and um but for stuff where we're gra- grabbing data from the network and we're processing it and transforming data from one thing to another uh unit testing is is quite useful and uh it saves your butt a yeah. lot i mean uh you know if you're only one developer and you don't unit test i mean you're you're kind of throwing away a lot of work um you know having a lot of unit tests there when you uh you know as a solo developer it's basically extra people you know virtual people checking your work for mm-hmm. you so why wouldn't you have that? You just kind of do this thing, go along, make it check your work automatically. So yeah, um, I, I think that so yeah, my I, sort of background and the way I've uh, become accustomed to developing has just meant that I haven't adopted uh, unit tests. And while I'm sure that I, I know that there's classes that I could use them and I could have good results with, I just—it's not a, a tool or approach I reach for naturally. So it's kind of just a like a, it's a habit I wish I could get into, basically. It's it's a learned skill right. and uh, it's going to be difficult and it takes a lot of practice. But so did programming when you first learned it. So, yeah. you know, don't think that you can just get a unit testing tool and start off uh, right off the bat writing quality. Tests. Oh no, 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 it takes yeah. a lot of practice. Well, you got to write the test, and right? I, I which think means that you're putting a lot of brain power. You into have it. to write the test. You have to have discipline. You have to, you know, there's a lot of things involved. And it's not like I write tests 100 percent of the time either. You know, there are certain things with UI and and things like that which I think unit tests are, are a complete waste of time. But for the most part, there are core pieces of applications that need to be unit tested, and uh, I kind of wish more people would do that. But uh, I think it starts with with Apple not including a really good unit testing tool right. uh, in our set of tools, tool uh, from Xcode and things like that. Yeah, it is a bit clunky, isn't it? Could definitely do with some updates. I mean, it's better than it was. 
Yes. I think X- Xcode 4's implementations of unit testing is definitely better than Xcode 3's. Um, but uh, it's, it's, I guess it's still enough of a pain to be enough to put you off a little bit. If you're, if you're, if you're a bit hesitant, you're on the fence about it all, you know, I, I think the tools are archaic enough that it, that's enough to put some people off. I mean, unit testing is one of those things that, as you said, the word discipline comes in now, which is why I'm pretty rubbish <laughs> at it. But, um, it's, it, it's, you know, where unit test really pays off is when you've been in that code base two or three years. And, you know, the fact that you can change things with confidence because you're going to know on the whole if you've broken anything just by running your unit tests. Um, you know, whereas, you know, those 200,000 lines of code that, you know, have had seven people working on them, you can get in there and confidently refactor and make changes to because you've, you've got someone there telling you everything's okay or things are now broken, um, which you can never do if you haven't got unit tests. Oops, yes. I've everyone completely there. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, sorry. Okay. Sorry. I set you off on the wrong foot there. All right. Okay. So, um, uh, what else? Uh, Guy, what do you want to see from Apple next year for for, de- for developers? Um, I'd like to see a tool that can help you um, do animations for core animation. Uh, so not like not quite like Flash, but. Um, Something that you can plot out animations and plot out how things are going to transition. I think. So you think like uh, like hype for core animation code or type kind of thing. like uh, like what paint? Yeah, what like paint code does for for uh, you know core graphics type of stuff. You want something. right? Except it would serialize it. And because I've thought of doing one, and then I thought that well, nobody's going to buy that. Um, and uh, also, I, I'll buy I've, it. I've heard that they have. You, go go have, ahead. I've heard that they have one internally. So. I'd, it's like yeah. just asking to get Sherlock at some point. Um, oh. You know, not that it's it's like a, a tool for them to just uh, try stuff, not 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 to ship anything. Um, I'd like to see more advances in using LLVM uh, and the static analyzer and all of that kind of goodness um, to continue to improve the language and to continue to improve the tools. Um, like if there was some kind of you know, if they could get the static analyzer to the point that it was almost running unit test-like stuff just as you were uh, typing, I think that would be amazing. Uh, further, they've got like this new thing that's not quite in the main line yet for Objective-C packages. That looks kind of interesting. Um, so rather than having to import the header, just everything sort of works. Just further advances in the language and having the frameworks adopt those uh, advances would be great, I think. Cool. Brent? I think I'm focused mainly on bug fixes uh, for what I'd like to see. I'd especially like to see iCloud more usable for developers. Um, uh, iCloud syncing is a very important thing. It's not the syncing answer to every single app, but it could be for a lot of apps. And uh, I know of some apps that are basically, not of mine, but some other apps that are held up, essentially, waiting for iCloud syncing to be reliable enough. So it would be very nice to see that get fixed. Manton. Um, I'm not sure. I have pretty low expectations, I think. With the yearly releases... There's always something good, but there's also, I think, a trend of having 
these kind of narrow APIs that don't really apply to a lot of people. So like, you know, newsstand or maps or passkit or these things that don't really apply to all developers. Um, I think a lot of people talk about this, but I think I'd like to see more ways for apps to communicate, send messages back and forth without having to launch and relaunch different apps. I'm uh, talking about on iOS, of course. You stole and the good one. Anything. Yeah. I'm sorry. You stole the best one. I wish I thought of that. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, be a, but yeah, so, I mean, eventually we've got to have that, and uh, hopefully Apple can take some small steps in that in that direction. I think if you look at some of the uh, XPC APIs, I think that's kind of an indication of where things will go in the future uh, regarding you know inter-app communication. Yeah, I'd like to see some higher-level stuff built atop of XPC, basically, like a way to embed sheets from other apps into your own app it would be nice. Mm-hmm. That would be great. Sort of like the mail, like That'd the way cool. the mail controller comes up. Uh, if other apps could do that, like a tweet sheet could come out, or we've got a built-in tweet sheet, but uh, I don't know. You could become your own tweet sheet for another app. Yeah, you could vend some kind of service. Uh, what are they, what right. are they, they call them intents on Android, and they call them uh, contracts on Windows Phone 7 or Windows whatever, 8. I, I think something like that is going to be required in ios pretty soon because we're kind of running out of you know running out of runway there yeah i agree and it's weird in ios 6 they added this sort of share uh little pop-over thing i can't remember what they call it mm-hmm. but it's not extensible really at all in terms of other apps working together it seemed like that would have been a perfect opportunity to start down this path mm-hmm. so i don't know maybe they'll just throw it out all at once next year and have something maybe to show this, i mean they so story. they added that same menu to mountain lion and you mm-hmm. can add items to it but only in your own app so right not i think that that's helpful. the same way on ios you can do your own app right but not yeah i can't add anything to another yeah. person down. john uh i i you know i i wish that apple would have would not have taken away the 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 dot mac ability to publish stuff to a web server you know it, it's ridiculous it, it it seems like a small thing to do and i think that one of the advantages that you had by being a, an apple citizen so to speak is that you used to have this little place on the web where you could easily publish things and they removed it and they've added it back but they've only added it back for their own apps and then it just causes people then to have to go elsewhere you know to either to dropbox or some other thing and at that point you know they're, they're just becoming it's a, it's nice to be able to say that that your users will have this this thing, and I think that's a, a big shame they took that away. Hopefully, they'll fix it when they put in DVDs and <laughs> iMacs and, and give us better unit testing frameworks and allow interapp you know communication. Maybe they'll buy GeoCities. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll try and buy Dropbox again. Talking of something as old as GeoCities, I'd um I would like to see. We're not going to see this this year. What I would like to see, though, I'd like to, I'd like to begin to hear the first hints that AppKit is on its way out and something new is coming for for, for the Mac. That uh, you know, AppKit is about to be carbonized, and, uh, and and we're going to get something closer to UIKit or a more merged framework. I, we're not going to see that this year, but I'd like to begin to hear a few sort of undertones that make us start, you know, getting ready for that in you know OS eleven or wherever it's going to be. I don't know if we're going to get OS 10. Point, you know, 10 and 10.11, or we're going to go to OS 11. But uh, um, I think it's uh, the 
you know, the Mac development experience needs to be brought up to date, and it needs a new, a new, a replacement for AppKit to do that. And I'd like to begin to feel that something like that is is in the works somewhere, and we're going to see it in the next few years. Well, Saul has already announced that he's doing SmapKit, small more as AppKit, which is a replacement. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there, there's actually um, it was an MK um, tool. Some, there was an open, not an open source. There was a, a, a licensed map directions um, kit, and uh, so there's something else that you can use if you want to do map stuff. I said app kit, not map kit. Oh, well, you said oh, somebody said map. Yeah, I said no, snap. I, I said that they I, were going to. I, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't care about map kit. That's tiny. It's, it's the whole. It's the whole of uh, app kit. I want to get rid oh. of. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you must have thought that my my desires were very small there. So, but there we are. Okay, have, have I missed anybody? Well, what's the matter? What's wrong with the approach of evolving AppKit? Uh, for instance, they've added um, well, view-based uh, table cells, which is awesome, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I don't mind them evolving as long as they're prepared to kill stuff as they evolve. What, what would you kill? Uh, I'm, I'm an AppKit fan, uh, so I'm just I, like I'm dumb. Yeah, no, with. it's it just it just. Ah, uh, it's it's no it's no it just feels compared to doing some of the stuff and I know the phones and everything are simpler devices and everything but AppKit feels like a lot harder work than um working with with UIKit. Now I know there's a lot more things to do with menus and keyboard shortcuts and all that on um uh on the Mac but it's it's it just feels it doesn't feel as loved and it doesn't feel as slick and I think it just needs to to um, I'm happy for it to evolve. Okay, maybe killing killing it is is not the right word, but I just want to see it become a little bit more up together, feel a little bit more modern. Um, you know, just make some of the things that are uh, easy on um, iOS easier on on, on the Mac, and uh, just the whole stuff. You know, even you know, the whole fact that you know core animation is is more fiddly. Um, it doesn't need to be. You know, mm-hmm. it can it can stuff like that. Yeah, it's. It's, it's no huge thing, but it just makes the whole thing a slightly more irritating experience. Um, and I, and I'd like to see, and, and, and that can either continue, if things just stay as they are, it will continue to get more fiddly in a way that actually we, we've, we've just tried to plug this into, to AppKit and, and it'll be more and more and more. And I just feel it needs a, a point where you're saying, no, no, actually now that hinders us. And, and so we're going to get rid of that bit and we're just going to, bring in something different here um and we might get the cocoa carbon situation for the next you know 10 years but that's fine i can live with that you know you don't if you want to keep using AppKit, you know they kept developing cocoa and carbon at the same time for a long time do that i don't care um but don't hold us back don't you know start making my life more simple am i being unreasonable probably but i don't care i guess my worry is with good Uh, i was gonna say uh, my worry is so if they did replace it with something um it would be say Many years down the line, before you could uh, add Apple Script support, for instance, to an app like that, there would be like a lot of missing pieces, and you would have to use AppKit for quite some time if you wanted to make a, a real quality, useful app. I think you're totally right, Brent. Sorry, I stuffed my face with a sandwich. Um, I think you're totally right, which I think I'm not saying this thing is going to be really very usable to start with, but if you don't start at some point, it will never. You'll never end up with something usable. So I think I'd like to see that there is the beginning of something that in five, six years' time will now be saying, yeah, we can now use this and it's great. Mm-hmm. Well, you're a radical, Scotty. I like that. <laughs> I'm curious to see Just what... Rewrite, what I- rewrite OS X from scratch. That's what I say. <laughs> cool. You know, they've been doing that in secret for the last three years, so... 
Yeah, like the, like the replacement for iTunes Connect in the App Store, yeah. <laughs> that brings us nicely on to predictions for 2013. Um, we said what we wanted to see, but we didn't necessarily believe we were going to get it. So, this is our final round. This is where we're uh, going to uh, be free to dream. Is this lightning uh, round too? Yeah, but it's, it's uh, you know, we are going to rec- this is being recorded in one year's time we're going to play it back to you and just see who is the most embarrassed <laughs> by by how wrong they were now just to give you a concept of how well i play this game i think before dub dub i didn't even bother this year i think before dub dub 2011 on, on the show i gave some like eight predictions and within the first i think it was about the first six minutes of the keynote in fact, I'll show you how fast it was. It was before I even managed to get into the overflow room. Every single one had been proved wrong. So <laughs> the, the, you're dealing with an expert here. So um, uh, let, let's start with John. What's your prediction for 2013? Uh, they're going to acquire Microsoft so they can get at that great surface technology and industrial design. It's going to be like an aqua hire or something. <laughs> Well, I, I, let, let's start small, shall we? Speechless. <laughs> Saul, come on. I, I, oh, dear. oh, He was sat there just, waiting for me. Just, just go for it, Saul. Okay, yeah, me too. Uh, one thing I'll predict is that on my next trip to Europe, I will not forget my laptop. Uh, the next one is, um, well, I think, uh, you know, maybe Apple and Google will uh, play nice in some way. I think they're already kind of doing that now, but they'll, they'll join forces and, and, and be- beat out Samsung. Okay, that's. Um, I see how this is. The the the, the yeah. goal is to make predictions so radical that they can't possibly be taken seriously, or, or. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I mean, source bound to forget his laptop. Oh yeah, I know. That, that's that's a given. <laughs> okay, Manson, you 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 made the mistake of um, opening your mouth, so you're next. <laughs> I'll make an easy one. I think they'll have minor refreshes to iOS hardware, and finally a desktop Mac replacement of some kind for the Mac Pro. And I'll make a vague one that also can't really be proven wrong or right, which is, um, you know, we've talked a little bit about iCloud, major, you know, investment in iCloud again. And the, the only question to me is, will it be just making things better, faster, um, more reliable, or will it also be tackling some of these sort of design problems in iCloud where you can't for example, sync between different apps of different companies, and it's there's no transparency at all about how you get at your data from um, other apps or devices. So, in other words, will we still need Dropbox, you know, two years from now, or will iCloud uh, eventually sort of expand its feature set? So, the developer machine, what do you think it will be? The I don't know. I'm I've been Mac MacBook only for a couple of years now. I have a Mac Pro sitting on my desk that hasn't been turned on in uh, a couple of years. So I I think we'll just see a nice desktop box that's quite a bit smaller than the Mac Pro, but that is still expandable enough that you can you know upgrade it, and um, obviously it'll be fast. Anybody here develop on a Mac Pro? Until a few weeks ago, <laughs> no. yeah. Until a few weeks yeah, ago, so my ni- what, what did you? Uh, my 2007 Mac Pro finally gave up the ghost. I replaced it with a, a Retina MacBook Pro connected to my old 30-inch monitor, and that works great. 
That's cool. So, do you, would you like to see a, a pro developer level machine come back out of Apple, or have you now sort of given up on that and, and you've got your laptop and you're sticking sticking with it? Well, I, I kind of gave up. In fact, I ordered one of the 27-inch iMacs. Um, so that's going to become my developer machine as soon as that actually ships. Cool. Okay, Brent, we might as well go to you. What, what's your prediction for 2013, I, other than you're going to b- b- have an iMac? Yeah, um, I think Apple will try very hard and may even succeed at buying either Dropbox or Twitter, just because those are big holes that they need to fill. And the, and the server side, server services... Um, is an area they just haven't shown the ability to develop in-house everything that they need. And, you know, some great services exist, and Apple has a lot of money. So they may just throw enough money that they can actually get these deals done. Well, that's a, that's a big prediction. Twitter or Dropbox? Or both. Or both? Or both. Yeah, why yeah. not? Mm-hmm. Splash, splash the cash, bit of a spree. Yep. There we go. Guy? Um, a Retina television set and iOS 7. I don't know. I think it's really hard to make predictions. Um, I, I'm pretty sure the Objective-C language is going to keep to improve and I think we'll get um, uh, sort of a refresh look or a refresh uh, for iOS 7. Because I think iOS 6 and macOS 8 have been uh, sort of polishing what came before, and I think we'll see like a pretty significant leap in the next two. Okay, um, has everybody had a go now? Apart from yes. me? Yeah. Um, I think, okay, my predictions are we will see a Retina iPad mini. Uh, that they will release at the current iPad Mini price, and the current iPad Mini will drop to around two hundred dollars, and just make sales go through the roof of iPads. Equally, I think we'll see an iPad, probably no more powerful than the current iPad Four, but they'll take some of the weight off. Um, so that's my prediction. iOS seven, um, a new cat. Obviously, uh, all minor upgrades, nothing radical, um, and I think we will be thoroughly disappointed with the new Mac Pro replacement. I have no idea what it'll be, but I think we'll be disappointed with it. There we are. That's my predictions. So I wouldn't put money on them, mind <laughs> you. Okay, I think um, uh, I think we're going to call that a day. We, we've been going for almost an hour and a half. Yeah. Wow, I'm surprised. Uh, surprised anybody is uh, still alive. Um, so here, so uh, let's just uh, let everybody know um, who we all are, so that they can make sure they never listen to us again uh, after this uh, after this show. So we just don't want them to fall into that trap for a second time. So, John. Well, my name is John Fox. You can block me on Twitter by adding Jembe, D-J-E-M-B-E, to the block list. That's Jembe, like the West African drum. And you can be sure to avoid ever visiting memoryminer.com to find out about my product. And by all means, do not waste any time going to memoryminer.com slash blog. Brent. Uh, I'm Brent Simmons. I have a blog at inessential.com, and I'm on Twitter and that other one. I forget its name. Uh, With the name Brent Simmons. And yeah, you can block me or mute me or uh, pretend I don't exist. Saul. 
I'm Saul Mora. You can find me on Twitter as Casadamora, on the app.net as Saul Mora. Uh, you can find the NS Brief podcast on the uh, website, nsbrief.com. And uh, yeah. Guy. Uh, I'm GTE on Twitter and uh, app.net. Uh, and I write like maybe every six months at uh, kickingbear.com. And uh, I do the debug podcast on iMore with uh, Rene Ritchie. And an excellent podcast it is too. Done. And um, um, Manton. Um, Manton Reese. Um, speaking of quitting things too early, you can't find me on Twitter anymore. So <laughs> don't follow me there, please. Um, but I'm on. Are you stuck with that now? Because you said it on, on the podcast. And it just doesn't matter how wrong you are and how much you miss it. You cannot go back. Yeah, you know, as a business decision, that may have been a mistake. But I'm sticking to it. I'm not, I'm not posting there anymore. So if it, Even if it kills me, I'm not yeah, going basically, back. Basically, that's right. I set things up so that I can't possibly post there anymore. But uh, on app.net, I'm active at, at Manton, and my blog's manton.org, and I usually link and uh, post about different products so you can find things there. And um, I'm the co-host of the Core Intuition Podcast with Daniel Jalkett, and that's at corent.org. And I am Scotty, and I'm from iDeveloper TV. Um, I'm on Twitter as MacDevNet. I'm on app.net as Scotty. And um, I've had fun. Um, I have no idea if anybody else has. I've no idea if anybody listening is even given a toss about what we've been talking about. But I've uh, I've enjoyed listening to uh, to you guys and um, all of your thorough thorough experience. And oh no, let's stop talking crap. It's been okay. Uh, <laughs> so thank you very much for joining us on this um, Christmas special. I suggest everyone goes off now and uh, take partakes of. Christmas cheer because you're going to need it after this. So, okay. so uh, uh, I don't know about anybody else, but this is my last podcast of 2012 because I'm going to uh, disappear uh, now until the, the new year. So uh, until next time, everybody, you take care. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you.